Hello, welcome friends. Hi, Jeannie. Welcome back. Yay. It's Cindy Silva with Energetic Wisdom. This podcast, I've invited my friend Jeannie back as a regular guest. Love having you. I love the space that gets created between us and the playfulness. I'm loving the image of the regular because I used to work in a diner, right? And there'd be your regular, well, it was in New Hampshire, your regulars, right? And they'd be down at the end of the bar in the same seat every time, want their coffee the same yeah. way, their eggs in the same way. So here I am, one of your, one of your regulars. <laughs> like cheers, except no, that, that was exactly the opposite of what I was going to say is that we were going to, instead of picking a topic, we're going to create this openness to have a conversation and then we'll name the topic afterwards you know that's kind of like <laughs> that's fun letting the baby reveal itself to you so you can you know give it the space it needs to show you its spirit instead of naming the baby or giving it you know an occupation as soon as it takes its first breath and conditioning <laughs> it to be that right we're going to open the space for whatever wants to arise so awesome. thank you for being an irregular regular. <laughs> Yay, you're welcome. It's How fun. does that feel? What comes up about this idea of irregularity? Oh, I don't know. I was just laughing because, um, you know, when you go bargain shopping and there's a bin with irregulars, right? So the regulars are the people at the end of the bar who have their coffee just so. And then the irregulars are like the ones in the bin that like only one person would ever like because like the arms are too long, but you have long arms. Uh-huh. And they're the ones you can't return. <laughs> yeah, unique, unique, and maybe a little bit bent, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I think it was Marge Percy who, I think you say her name, Percy, the poet, she said something about how, you know, once the lid came off, she grew like a wild weed. And I always love that image of how, when we kind of come out of our straitjacket of conditioning and we give our, we follow what's alive, you know, we start to grow like a wild weed <laughs> and become our very own, whatever it is. So that sounds yeah. fun because in our uniqueness is, I think, where we also inspire others, not only to be their uniqueness, but something you may say from your unique vantage point, maybe something no one else has thought of or a lens no one else has looked through. So that's pretty exciting. Yeah, thank you. I think that's what this is about. These conversations is really just to open up a space for perspectives. And I like this idea of a, a wild weed because it's like everyone's standing around going, well, what is it? I think it's this. No, it looks more like this. And you really can't <laughs> identify it. You can't like pigeonhole it into being something that you know that you're familiar with you know the other thing that that uh arises for me in this conversation is the word which i really love this word emergent and when we start to be surrendered to being which some of us are like oh goody surrendered to being some of us are like oh crap my mind doesn't work the same way anymore but when we settle into kind of being a, a immersed in what I call zero or being, what rises in that space is purely creative. And many of us feel like we can't live that way. We couldn't talk that way. We couldn't do an interview without any preparation. This is what I love about you. One of the things is that you're willing and you've always been willing. I remember our first interview, it's like, oh, or conversation, whatever you call these things, um, that willingness to just 
leap out into the unknown and and let the kind of the momentum and the growth of the moment it, it reminds me of just how everything organic grows you know it it, it in each moment it, it kind of unfurls and you have no idea what it's actually going to do mm. yeah so i like that i like being in that purely creative space like oh wonder what's going to come <laughs> yeah yeah this freshness right it's not um something that you're trying to repeat or something you read out of a book it's just showing up in the moment and no allowing what's present yeah no recipe <laughs> which <laughs> not, means you may cook some recipe. horrible horrible shite you know <laughs> or may turn into this thing no one's ever my daughter's amazing we'll go in the kitchen one of us will do set things from intuition <laughs> the other will and mine usually end up not so wonderful hers are like a, she was born kind of with this amazing ability to be emergent in the kitchen. I mm -hmm. kind of stick to the recipes, but not other places. Uh -huh. I yeah. love that. Yeah. This um, alchemy, it's kind of like an alchemy, right? Like totally pulling these pieces in and just having a sense of a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And, um, you know, I think some of these recipes we come up with in this spontaneous space they're not repeatable, which is what makes them fresh and creative. You never can reproduce it, yeah. which is what makes you want to be so present in the moment, because if you're not, you'll miss it. Yeah. You know, and the other thing that I'm really noticing is how the yang of structure supports the yin of kind of sinking down into the moment to allow what happens to happen, because we have a structure, we have a time when we're going to meet. We have this Zoom thing. We have a beginning and an end. And there's something about that. I always love this combination. Like if someone says, will you talk about this in this many minutes? Like if I'm speaking at a church or something, it's like, oh, goody, let's watch the creativity dance within the set limitation. And I think, you know, to me, the holy is kind of glorified in those settings. It's like, can you be wild and free within this within these rules, can you be at this event completely wild and yet honoring the structure? Unless, of course, you know, Holy Will says don't honor the structure, which also can happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's interesting. You bring it up. I think it can go both ways. Like, I think also the, um, the yin is the structure for the yang as well. Like the, the body is yin. There's a, a physical earthy structure to the body and all things physical in this third dimensional reality. And then the formless yang energy gets to kind of play hide and seek through these forms, the consciousness. So I think it works both ways with, um, with yin and yang. Sometimes the yin is the structure. Sometimes it's the the emerging unknown that gets revealed through the structure and vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. So what's emerging in your awareness now? Is there a particular, there is something emerging for me I want to share um, that's fresh. Yeah. I do. Um, it's the, the Teresa of Avila interior castle and um, that there, there's these rooms in in our own interior, like in the castle, kind of like archetypes that um, are spacious 
and we have a different experience of these kind of rooms or these spaces inside of ourselves that get occupied um, by our own um, relation to life and presence and also as other we're interacting with other people different rooms the lights come on in these different rooms and we kind of speak from that place or share from that place and i wonder if you've explored that work um, at all or have this um, heard of this concept of the interior castle or have another version of that that you huh no <laughs> <laughs> um, I know of the work and I, I've read a bit of her, but I'm not familiar and, and honestly here um, you know, my experience of my own interior, which has changed a lot from, you know, earlier experiences of my interior. Um, it's almost like there is no interior here or everything is interior. It just feels like a great hall of quiet and uh and then you know as i rest there you know a certain thing might emerge or bubble up but i don't experience i don't even in a way experience i was gonna say myself like uh or any flavor um until the the quiet sort of throws something up like the ocean throws up a shell or something. So uh, I'm interested to hear what that's like because or what it is that you're referring to or what St. Teresa is referring to because um, my consciousness is like kind of a it's just like, yep, here we are at the ocean. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, but we should give some context to that because um, for those who are listening that haven't met Jeannie yet, Jeannie's um on the other side of a dark night of the soul so it feels like i love when you said the great hall um of openness or i think you referred yeah. to it similar to that it was almost like this dark night came in and took all the walls down and now it's just this big open space which is really fascinating because i see a lot of that in architecture now where a lot of the architectural design is to have big open space rather than these sectioned off uh separate rooms so i feel like what's happening like archaeologically inside of our own interior is getting reflected in our architecture right mm -hmm. externally yeah which is funny because the kind of houses i'm attracted to are the ones that are old and have lots of little rooms with doors so go. <laughs> getting that, yeah isn't that how interesting how we balance we attract the balance yeah yeah i think there's there's something, you know, everywhere you look, like everywhere you look, there's God. And so whether we look in the, the high and the wide and the open, or we look in the little secret hidden passageways that when you open the door, there's a surprise there. You know, it's like, it's like no matter what we entertain, and I imagine in different moods, we might, you know, I remember um, being on a, a trip where I was doing a retreat and uh, I was in a community um in an area in seattle and um my my then assistant simone and i were kind of exploring this place where these people lived and it was kind of like this this place this community that was built with big lots of land and houses 
and then they had created this um, this chapel. And I think the chapel was in honor of one of the builder's daughters who had passed or something like this. This was back, I think, in the 20s. Anyway, the chapel was really gorgeous. And we walked in and the space was just wide open and lovely. And Simone can sing really well. She just started to sing, you know. And so it's like we can, I forget where I started with this, but just that the wide open spaciousness or coming to the ocean, you know, and I grew up in New England where you, where you just see a strip of sky up above, you know, you don't see a big sky generally, and then come out and live in New Mexico, big wide open sky. And so all of those kind of evoke a different aspect of the beauty and, uh, can be a, a different medicine for us, depending upon where we are, what, what's going on in our lives, you know? Yeah, I forget where that started, but I just had this image of that wide open little chapel and Simone singing in it. Yeah, feels like open space draws something else forward. Yeah, yeah. The, the compartmentalizing. Yeah, it's like if it were, if, if it were a sound, it would be like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the eyes go poof, pop yeah, really, oh. yeah. <laughs> oh wow <laughs> I had an experience similar to that we were um, hiking in Zion at the Emerald Pools yeah yeah and um, there's three of them and we hiked to the the upper Emerald Pool and I entered this space and it was that whoa and I couldn't believe people there were other people there uh and they were all chatting and talking and oh, i know and, and i was like Sacrilege. what are you doing like this is like incredible and this is church oh it was so amazing yeah. and so i just was like oh yeah i was just well taken back by the energy and um, walked out into the middle of the pond there was a little patch of sand there and started doing my qigong and just kind of pulling all that energy towards me. And um, I was realizing like, not, not then, but later in hindsight, that the shape of this container, like these sheer cliffs, this openness and this pond and reflective, it's like it was resonating with a shape inside myself. And mm. it was like a tuning fork went mm. off and just this yeah. vibration of, being inside myself in a way inside the shape it was it was just yeah. like these two shapes came together um one inside the other and this um resonance was just pinging on every nerve <laughs> yeah yeah that's beautiful yeah that's beautiful. that that's what's i think amazing about um i i wish i could quote an exact author from history um, or a spiritual teacher or whatever, but there's, you know, they say that the human being is like a microcosm of the everything, right? Yeah. And that the cliffs and the mountains and the chasms, they all exist within us. Mm -hmm. And what's so amazingly paradoxically beautiful is that, like, I can say this thing about like this inner hall or oceanic emptiness, right? And yet then, and any of us can find this, like, a certain landscape at a certain time or um, does what you're talking about. 
brings something forward that's in us, brings something invisible for, forward. It's not like we can go inside and see the walls of the rock inside our beings, but there's something about that energetic, the energetics brought by the shape and the, the whatever that is speaking to something inside, something that is only perceptible through this kind of uh, extra sense you know, and, and I was I was feeling as you were talking about the people chatting and that frequently happens at hot springs as well for me, having lived in Colorado, New Mexico a lot and being like a hot spring junkie, you know, and I remember once actually in Southern California when I hadn't, I, I was in New Hampshire, I'd never been in a hot spring, uh, finding a hot spring and going on this journey to find it, crossing this river, it was like this epic journey for me only to find this um, born again Christian fellow in the tub who would not shut up about his version of God. <laughs> After I'd spent like hours and hours and hours trying to get to this beautiful place to commune in there, you know, I had to work on my uh, assertiveness to please ask him to button it for a bit that my sense of God was a little bit bigger than the words he was speaking in that moment. <laughs> yeah. You have a different uh, orientation sometimes. Then. Yeah, the sensitivity, the sensitivity to feel. Uh, I mean, now, right, that I didn't used to be sensitive like this, or at least I wasn't aware at that level, you know, too much personal gunk, numbness, whatever. And, and people often are called too sensitive and they feel bad about how sensitive they are. But oh my gosh those same senses that may be overwhelmed by the din and the clang of of the marketplace when put in a place where mm. all there is to do is pick up the subtle energies and the beauties and and they blare it's almost like how did i ever not hear or sense this when i was younger but i didn't you know that that everywhere i go uh, if i tune in things are humming and singing in their own way including my own my own instrument you know like right now as we sit here and um that's what i love about sitting with you like diff uh, uh different beings when i connect it's kind of like a wine tasting it's like oh it's not only your energy it's what is creatively evoked by us putting our shazam rings together and just sitting here <laughs> Yeah, I see it like these two rings coming together and creating that Vesica Pisces. Yeah, and that oh, beautiful formed in the middle there. It's like something now bubbling up and out, just kind of circulating through the field. And we're kind of pulling a thread here and there and tasting it, like you say, the wine. It's a wine fountain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sensitivity is really a theme for me and clients I work with I see that a lot in their design and I tend to attract it and um, it's it's really a an honor to acknowledge people for their sensitivity because they've spent a lot of their life force energy protecting themselves from it and yeah. to help them see that it's actually um, a gift for, yeah for others and not um, you know something that they need you know they did need to defend against for a while but now it's more like yes this is 
it's kind of, I feel essential in these times where there's so much uncertainty and there's no fact, it's all sort of speculation. Our sensitivity is going to be um, so key and important to tracking um, where we need to be and with whom. Oh, so true. I was just thinking that very thing that um, a lot of times what I find, and, and this was a learning for my own self, um, how do I say this? It's like listening to the sensitivity and to the mistakes we make about not protecting ourselves or like conditioning tells us, oh, good, go do that. That will be a good thing. Or, oh, go be there. That's what a good spiritual person does. And as we listen to our sensitivity, you know, we've been taught, don't listen to that, that that's your brokenness, overcome it, overcome it, overcome it. But the turning toward it and the doing the things that might look like pulling away from the world or not having as many relationships or being picky about who we spend time with, we look weirder and weirder. And the conditioning in the head says, oh my God, you know, you you don't have as many friendships. What's going to become of you? You can't be a cat lady alone in your place. <laughs> but that the that the very listening to that unique, almost like inability, or what does overwhelm, or what doesn't feed, and fine tuning the structure within which we operate allows the sensitivity. It's like okay, now it's not being used for overwhelm. We're not just now we're, we're building, I always talk about it like a setting with a ring. Here's the jewel. It needs a certain setting to be glorified, to be used, mm-hmm. and to, to start to value and listen to sensitivity. That's like a huge transition, I feel, in embodiment. Yeah. To actually realize you're not just a broken widget. You're not different from everyone because you're screwed up. Although, you know, we all have our little screw-up spots, but potentially why you're different is because there's a gift there and if you honor it and uh you know listen to the call of what of actually what you need and what you don't need it's been so huge in my life the the transformation of how i live so that i can bring myself well rested firing on all cylinders to the work that i'm to do um i don't do the things i used to do and happily so Although the transition was like, what? I'm getting weirder and weirder. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, that might be what's required. You know, was it Krishnamurti that said, to be well-adjusted to an insanely sick society is no measure of health? Yeah, exactly. That's such a great quote. (laughs) Love it. Yeah, I want to go back to that word weakness. And sometimes, you know, sensitivity being associated with the word weakness and that that word came up in a conversation I was having recently with a group. um, And we were looking at this term weakness and trying to understand the context it was being used and in relationship to the I Ching, where the hexagram has the solid and the broken line. The broken line is sometimes referred to as weakness but it's not a weakness. It's a sensitivity. It's a, it's a receptivity. Yes. That's what I see as yin. That's what I label. Yeah. 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 And in the whole, uh, the second hexagram, it's all broken lines. It's all the number two, it's receptive. That's the yin. Yeah. Yeah. Which has, if we plumb the depths of it, it, this is my experience over and over and over. 
the doors to yin are inability, exhaustion, sickness, you know, all these things where we're, we're stopped cold and we have to go down. Yeah. We have to construct that at first it feels like I'm weak. I can't master. I can't master. Right. But then as we sink down, as we're forced often to sink down, we become in a way a queen, a queen of the underworld, comfortable in nowhere, comfortable in nothing. So that when we walk into the world, there's this underlying comfort with the gap out of which everything sprouts. And it's been amazing to watch how Yin is the mother of strength and the mother of true Yang. But we would never, we would never suspect that. I love how our conversation is going all over the place. It's so great. <laughs> It's like let's see what we what we can't touch in this hour. <laughs> yes. Oh. Well, this other word that comes up related to yin um, and it weakness is is actually tenderness. Yes. Yes. You know, there's a place. I remember I was getting prolotherapy on my shoulder at a frozen shoulder and someone someone said prolotherapy is the thing. So I went and did this thing. I don't know what that is. Okay, I'm gonna tell you. <laughs> they take a needle about this long oh. and they stick it straight into your joint without any anesthesia and pump a little very simple solution. I forget what's in it, like salt and water or something like this, that somehow allows the tight things to loosen and the loose things to tighten anyway it worked mm -hmm. but um and a very nice woman naturopath was administering this to me i knew what it was going to be like and you know i kind of pride myself on what a badass i am with pain so i was like yeah no problem bring it on you know <laughs> i've given birth no problem and i'm lying there and she's piercing my shoulder with this thing you know, and, and at the time I wasn't thinking about St. Teresa and the angel. Is that the one that, that had the vision and was pierced by an arrow that an angel had? And there's a very famous sculpture of that. It's just so beautiful. She's like in kind of this weird rapture. Yeah, yeah. I think but when I, like that. when I saw that sculpture, <laughs> I was like, that was my prolotherapy experience. Yeah. So here it is. I, I'm... I'm basically, even though the whole creature of the body is like, you know, punch that woman and run. That's what the survival system is saying as the needle's going in, right? I'm like, no, this is actually good. And I just kept letting myself open, soften, open, soften, yield, open, soften, open, soften. And in the heart of that was this beauty that was like impossible to speak. It was like, such tenderness, such softness, such openness. I felt like a pile of ash, like that soft. Mm -hmm. Like if a twig burns in a fire and you see just that white ash, there's nothing left but kind of the soft, shapeless shape, the shape, the shape, but it's in the middle of just, it was so soft and so beautiful. I was in bliss because I had oh. just let myself, yes, 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 yes. And I think that was a reflection of what was forced on me in the dark night, right? Mm. And, and life is just going, no, you don't get to move. And you're going, ah, fight it, fight it. And then after a while, it's like you lose and you just open or in like an experience with um, like a, some kind of a journey, like a, a journey with a sacred plant medicine or something 
where you're just held there and you have to open and that's that's the lesson to me that's like the lesson of yin and that very thing we would call weak like how weak how non-existent in strength is a is a a powdered twig that's only ash and yet what we fall back into is so it's the ground of being it's like the utter like nothing more powerful than the oceanic bed of being from which everything is birthed and and that feeling and so i love to i love to get very you know because i've been one very young women it's like single moms who can do anything on their own and they're exhausted you know but they're gonna keep oh. at some point they hit a wall it's like hey can you just sit on your couch and just lean up against the pillows can you go find an oak tree lean into the oak tree can you find a friend and lean into a friend and sometimes that's the alchemical beauty of having someone sort of more young in one's life um, is like leaning into that young we would think of oh that's so weak and yet that capacity to sink down into nothing to soften open it's it's a superpower i'm convinced of it and one that we have way yet to tap and i think one that's like the superpower of our age right now mm. yeah feels like this um tapping into this refined presence that we're we are that is is the body but beyond the body i had a, a harsh experience of that um I, i'm going to share it and it's yeah related or not but i had we'll see we'll see in the <laughs> end how, it, how it's related because of course it's related <laughs> we'll make it relate was that um yeah hard working you know forcing things to happen and i hit that wall and um ended up depleted had to have a surgery on one of my kidneys and it was um it took me out of a profession right that i never would have left because the money was good and the, you know there was a lot of good things about it that i had identified with and to just be the one to say yeah i'm done with that that wasn't going to happen so i had to have something come in and exactly you no know, no you're not doing this anymore so the the kidney issue so I had to have this surgery and, you know, in Chinese medicine, the kidneys are the deepest organ in the body. You know, this is, was deep and they represent fear and um, in their imbalanced state. Um, and it's the vital life force. I think of them as very yin. And um, so I had surgery, but I wasn't operated on. I was operated on by a human, but this human was operating a robot that was actually operating on me so my body was immobilized by anesthetized right but it was still this is my theory my body's laying there immobilized but it's awake even though my consciousness isn't there this machine comes in and starts cutting into my body the creature and the surgery you know is successful in that sense um but afterwards oh yeah I had such PTSD. Yeah. I could not 
get on an airplane. I had such a claustrophobia. My creature body just didn't trust my mind anymore because I put it in this position of terror. It was yeah. terrorized and it took me about yeah. five years to get that out of my system and be able to fly again without having an anxiety and panic attack because it just it was in this other you know whenever it would be put in a situation where it didn't have any control it would totally freak out like a wounded animal this is i love this line of inquiry totally like i think of people who've been tortured or because you could see that prolotherapy that i had as a form of torture you could see christ on the cross being nailed to a cross as a form of torture and there is and and when you're when you're not conscious but your body this is what we think oh you know she's out so she's not going to remember any of this well the body actually went through that and it was invasive you know it was like it's invasive for prolotherapy like it's invasive light like like it's invasive to be crucified and there's something to me fascinating about how something is the same thing maybe even for the same person the same thing i I don't know how to say this because because there's no less than greater than oh gosh now we're accomplished or any of that because who knows it's all mystery but what i'm trying to peer into and and i'm always kind of um fascinated by is in the model of christ on the cross he's going willingly he's chosen this like there are plenty of options to like you know get out of dodge and he says no he keeps walking toward the will of the holy even though he can see it as it's portrayed how it ends he walks willingly and he's even right in the middle of experiencing this thing like seeing the goodness of his um you know torturers seeing the goodness of the, the those poor sweet people forgive them father they don't know what they do and this prolotherapy place where that thing that would have been torture was actually the servant of some amazing opening and to me the only difference between something being torture or something being a vehicle for um baba transcendence is how overwhelming it is for our capacities in the moment and it seems to me that in the places where i've been very deeply you know penetrated by life in in challenging ways hurt we call it where people carry trauma that experience for you there is some even if it's traumatizing there's some initiation by how deeply we are penetrated and when you clean the trauma out you you digest the emotion from it you are now privy to a depth a truth about life about your own being you probably couldn't even put into damn words because i can't put into words the things that are you are instructed in by being pierced to that level and then digesting clearing out integrating whatever the lesson was we we kind of think of oh i got hurt oh i got traumatized 
that was a bad thing. And of course, you know, holy hell, who would choose any of that? And yeah, there is something that's just like, no, thank you, right? That was heinous. But there's also something, at least in my experience, and I can tell by you nodding, that those deep things, though we wouldn't choose them, and though we might want a gentler way, they pierce us to a depth that ends up being metabolized into a level of wisdom that is not common because most of us are running around with very undigested. We, we can't, how do we digest all these? We get too many lessons. Thank you very much. Can you, can you hold the lessons so I can digest some of them, please? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, resonating with all of it reminds me, I'm going to bring in the hexagrams again, because there's always yeah, it's awesome. the 51st hexagram is called thunder over thunder and it's the gate of shock. And um, ah. you know, even in Gurdjieff's work, he talks about there's no um, awakening without shock. Wow. Very interesting. So there's a shock. And then that which you say of the, the processing of that shock that opens up the container, if you will, the vessel, the space, going back to the beginning of our conversation, breaking down those walls and right it cracks the vessel and dumps you into a bigger vessel. Yeah, that's it. Being absorbed into the next um, expanded version of the container that you are. Yeah. Yeah. Yum. Yum. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just feeling such like reverberations <laughs> of reverence in my being right now for just um the redemption in a way the redemption of the wound the redemption of hurt we think of hurt or our woundedness or our places of inability as you know the places where we're somehow screwed up or hopeless or handicapped or whatever and and surely those places can give us levels of limitation but even levels of limitation drive us deeper so that the places of woundedness are actually like the places of genius in a way or the mm -hmm. the doors to deep wisdom and and our culture has this model of get over it you know compensate for it function on top of it rather than hold your horses there's some there there is a chasm opening to the depth of you that is calling you downward to to heal and descend and uh reap the gems um, of whatever that intense initiation was. And we so need um, guides, guides to that, you know, psychopomps, I think is one of the words for them, like people who can uh, walk between the worlds of the everyday and the kind of deep inner psychic kind of places. Yeah, I have another, I have another quote for that. <laughs> awesome, you go. <laughs> <laughs> Believe is from. We are like the mystic and the scholar in a certain way. Like you, you have a very like scholarly way of approaching this kind of thing, and I'm like, oh no, you know, but it's like this. <laughs> and I love the conversation between those two styles. Yeah, well, I think we both we both have both, but the, I yeah, Carl Young said, um, "What the psychotics are drowning in, the mystics are swimming in." yeah so totally. it takes you know these experiences of swimming with your learning how to swim in yeah. the experience of practically drowning <laughs> yeah well, yeah which to me is so much these days 
uh, the fruit of all the research into trauma, right. which how do we support the creature of the body right. to find ground, breath, orientation, resilience at sea? Because when we are presented with these things, you know, that's why they're traumatizing because we don't have the resource, we don't have the support. Often we're too young. We're too young to be like, forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. You know, we're not there. We're like, hey, you jerk, you just messed me up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> because we don't have both the the kind of uh, large perspective and support to maintain it that that we might have. You know, I, I taught my daughter. Um, that people who were mean basically were people with owies in their hearts. That's what we called it to the point where she literally perceived the kids in her class who were mean as having owies in their hearts. And on Valentine's Day one year, we were making these, well, she was, I was supporting her to make these little Valentine's people. They had heart heads. And then, you know, this was back in the day before kind of gender neutrality, right? So we were making like the girls with little skirts, you know, even though like we were both these like uh, very um, androgynous kind of female types, she and I, nevertheless, we we're making the girl ones with skirts and the boy ones with little pants. And she said, oh, mama, this is the best one. We, we had decided that one that she had made was the best one. And she said, I'm going to give it to, let's just say Bobby. I won't say the kid's name, but she said, I'm going to give it to Bobby because um, Bobby has the most owies in his heart. And so I want, I want this to be like for him. And this was a kid who was like regularly mean to the other kids. Right. And then she comes home after Valentine's Day. She goes, mama, it worked. I, I watched him open it. And he had this little smile when it came out. And I was like, oh my God, you're like a little, you're a little soul doctor, girl. (laughs) But that perspective, so important. Um, You know, we're fed from so young, the messages of separation. That's a bad boy. Mm -hmm. Stay away from that bad boy, because that's just a bad boy. You know, extrapolating his troubles to the quality of his heart, to the quality of his soul, and sticking him in that cell forever versus that sense, oh, this is someone alive with owies who can be reached to because he has a heart like my heart, you know? And I feel like that's such a huge way. We can't help it. We, we have the sight we have. We have the ignorance we have. We have the delusions we have as parents. But I, I watch how key it is that children get real information about what's going on um, from which to make sense of what they see. No. Yeah. Very important to still that when we're young, we didn't get that. And it's really, I feel surfacing with, we speak, we spoke about this um, shock in on an individual level. Now it feels like we're going through a collective shock and the collective yeah. trauma that's coming up. We need to have people that are like islands of coherence, islands of uh, self-regulation that not beyond your own ability to regulate your nervous system. You're a source for others to regulate. Yeah. So I feel that the, um, yeah, there's a, a big wave of uh, collective trauma surfacing. And um, if we haven't come to that place where you describe about seeing people with owies on their hearts, 
um, and having compassion, we're going to be doing a lot of projecting that's not going to be helpful. No, it just keeps us being blind and like stabbing each other. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like I was just thinking about when COVID started and everyone was kind of, we were all in monk cells in a certain way. We were all like forced into our monk cells. Some of us were alone in our monk cells. Some of us were sealed in with a few other monks. Right? <laughs> like talk about a wildly broad alchemical, we, we all went on retreat, forced retreat, right? And so many people, I remember right when it happened, I was like, oh my God, the people need some help. And I just started doing these free COVID things on being with uncertainty and different different topics. And uh, they're still actually in my school, all those like COVID things. I should go back because it's pretty dear, you know, just to see the history through those classes, right? But how much people were just craving the voice and smile of someone who was plugged into something deeper than the freak. Right. And how much doesn't matter it we are it's like you were talking about us i think before we started recording like being i forget the animals you were talking about but like the wolf pack what were the animals you were saying it was something pod. yeah pod the pod the pod yeah. yes that um below our awareness our bodies recognize the energy of all is well there is no threat and we are craving being able to plug into something and of course, love, God is the essential source of that. I mean, there's Jesus with the hugest threat you could imagine, someone nailing you to the cross. He's not in survival at all. He's in, you know, I and my father are one. I am in, and this is where I was in the prolotherapy, right? It's like, okay, you're sticking me in the arm and the creature wants to roar, but as I open, 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 there's something deeper here. And that's something deeper when we speak from that. We can soothe millions if we're just given the mic for a second. <laughs> I mean, some people would be repelled. Some people would be like, you know, what's that woman on narcotics talking about anyway? <laughs> I always wanted to, um, you know, like on the 4th of July, you know, uh, at the bicentennial or something when there's just like thousands of people gather in millions. And just give me the podium for a sec. It's like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Drop into your bodies, you know, like collective soothing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I put some stuff on YouTube for that. You know, it's just like, you know, hello. All, all is well from this place eternally. Mm -hmm. And if the body is literally in danger on a creature level, love eternity god who we are as light is not ever threatened yeah and man what an amazing thing to be able to offer to you know your neighbors who are freaking out because of this or that mm. it's beyond reason it's not reason it's not like you say oh everything's going to be fine because blah 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 it's just the energy of fine yeah that we understand yeah i can appreciate that in the work that we do which is very different but similar in the sense that our objective is to not get people to depend on us for their ability to regulate, but to connect them to the part of themselves that's always yes. regulated. And yes. Always Find tools. Yeah. To, 
to the, that's it. You don't want to, um, it's okay to have people to, to co-regulate with, but the objective is to be able to feel that within yourself and connect to that that's always there and find a way to make it available through the structure of your life, your environment, um, which kind of comes back to what you had an idea of, you know, with our topic being about how to live a life of spirituality. How do you do that? How is, how do you move in a way that um, is, is a sort of a orbiting around this central core of the essence? Yeah. Rather than seeking it, right? Your, your movement is more of a, a dance um, in relationship to that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I see the first part of my life as a kind of a, you know, ridiculous flailing, <laughs> looking for the source of that. And, and that's a whole thing, right? Looking for the source of that. And I was utterly dependent in a certain way when I first, when I was in the dark night mm -hmm. and my body was freaking out, I was utterly dependent upon a few teachers and nature to help me soothe, utterly dependent. And just like, you know, the, um, someone once told me that the Diné people see uh, the mother as the temporary stand-in for the earth, that if you mother someone properly, you hold them, you're an extension of the earth, you soothe them, then when you put them down on the earth, they feel the earth as mother, their own ground, you know, the sky above. Yeah, I feel all that, that all over my body. Yes, and many of us haven't gotten that. And so whether it's a therapist or a teacher or a tree or a teddy bear, mm -hmm. um, to cobble together some kind of good enough mother, there's no shame because here we are fingers on a hand. It, we don't have to John Wayne it. We can find people and we have to be careful to find trustworthy people who aren't like fostering a dependence for their own personal gain, but are actually servants of the one love, right? that we can lean for a while because we need that, that that leads then to hatching and flying yeah, and finding it on our own. Mm -hmm. But I, I find a lot of people are so, because dependence has been given such an, such an evil name in our culture. Like, you know, I think my dad once said, like, when I get too old to be independent, just take me out back and shoot me. You know, like this fear of dependence when really, independence there is a beauty um you know it's the beauty of yin again but a momentary dependence on a friend or whatever that's solid allows us to birth that stability or resilience in ourselves that's why therapy is so great when it works is that we have someone who's dedicated to hold us in that shell until the yoke turns into a chicken and bobbles on out. Mm -hmm. mm. I know for sure in my life, I can think of so many beings who served my um, emergence. I have such gratitude for them because I, I absolutely, absolutely needed them. Like I needed the air I breathed at the time. Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think maybe nature gave us a really strong clue about that when it designed our species as the one who needs to be, you know, 
uh, for the first 18 years of our life. <laughs> Mama, and maybe sometimes beyond. Right. <laughs> sometimes Other species, just... it's like, you know, a few months, you're up yeah, in the really. and you're on your own. <laughs> really? Out of the our, nest with you. Our <laughs> Good luck. Is, uh, wired in to need each other, to need. Yeah. Yeah. And in, and in the mama and the papa, right. To, to prevent your child from being food for another, for another something, you know? Yeah. 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 yeah my daughter is just, you know, she graduated college last May. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it, it really is an interesting transition, you know, and it's been happening since birth, right? Like as soon as they come out of your body, they're leaving you little by little by little growing skills, not needing you, whatever. It's such a, just such a beautiful um, privilege to be that close to a being from conception to flowering and watch that, you know, surging forward, getting a little scared, leaning back in, you know, and, and uh, such a, it's such a beautiful thing being that, that mama thing. And, uh, and then weaning, you know, as they wean from us, we wean from them, right? Like, I have a servant heart. There's nothing I love more than to be a servant for the beings that I love. But if I'm like being too much of a servant, she doesn't develop her legs, right? Right, right. Really, uh, just such an interesting time in that way. Yeah, it leads me to think of another whole direction here with if this I think we're almost at an hour. Elasticity. <laughs> Are we at an hour already? Let's, talk for like, let's just talk for six hours oh and God. just say it all. <laughs> but this may be for another time, but I'll introduce it because, um, you know, not only are our offspring here to, um, yeah, be that which you described, but they're also replacing us. That's know? for sure. Oh, that's for sure. And Sometimes I feel like the rotting log out of which he, the mushroom, is growing. You're so yin. The rotting log. Hi. But I think, you know, what I want to uh, just create a bridge for this potential of a conversation in the future to say, because this is my passion. This is where I awesome. dig in, is that um, not only do our children replace us, right? Um, but we're being replaced by another species. We're going through an evolutionary change similar to um, history where the Neanderthals were replaced by Cro-Magnum and on and on. This is <laughs> happening now. My we, daughter would completely concur. Yeah, we're being replaced <laughs> by my mom. <laughs> and it's like, I think it's the first, I feel it's the first time possibly in my limited perspective, I feel that it's possibly the first time in human evolution where we can actually be conscious of this change that we're being replaced by these beings that are coming in with this, um, all the differences in the way that these new beings are oriented to life. Um, And can we, rather than be threatened by that and try to destroy them, can we open our hearts and our, oh. our minds and embrace and support the, the deconstruction of structures that don't support the sensitivity of these beings and the creativity and the uniqueness and create new structures that uh, celebrate this 
and, and though it's and, uncomfortable it's not right and it, to me it, it requires so much humility like i see such a cross-pollination um with the people that i know who are younger because um you know my daughter she has capacities and strengths that you know she was almost she had when she was two that i may never develop in this lifetime right and um I think it takes humility on both sides and a lot of respect because, you know, younger people can think, oh, we're, we're the boomers, we're the idiots, we're the ones that screwed up the planet, whatever. But there are some of us who actually have, through our life experience, honed a few nuggets of wisdom that might be the perfect things that that being with all those capacities could employ to really glorify what they've already got. And then we get to be humble enough to not need to be the big one, even if we are holding a space that we don't have to be the wiser one. We can, we can serve that to fly in, in a humble way. And I just see such a need to not squash, not invalidate, um, but also to keep an eye on ego because we can sail off i know everything you know you're just a boomer and actually miss the gifts that some of the members of the older generation have to offer in a humble way and i I feel like that's really going on right now um, with my daughter and i at this juncture you know as she learns how to live from her heart in the world graduating college without going down the you know, the conditioned pathway, you know, like, oh, you do this and you do this and career this and career that. She's out there feeling from her heart. Well, that was the very thing I went through at 40. Right. Nevertheless, I went through that. And so there are things I can sort of or help her orient to true north when the dust is in her eyes. Um, even though she's doing it at 23, there are things about that passage that it's useful to hear from just another being who's been through it without me assuming, ooh, I'm just like wisdom girl and you're just like baby, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in evolutionary terms, it's called transcend and include. So we nice. transcend the limitations exactly. of the previous generation, but we include what's useful, the wisdom gain, right? So evolution doesn't recreate the wheel. It continues on from one form to another. You know, I feel like we could use this talk. We could go through this talk and we could find 12 topics that we could descend into more deeply. That 12 was, disciples. Yeah, really. There you go. 12 zodiac signs. That'd be interesting to see if we've got them all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'd love to explore this further at some point, but you're right. We are at the end of our time and uh, it's always fun. And What fun. Yeah, a nice shot of um, juice for the day and for the week. I love this kind of, yeah, this is like my juice bar. Yeah, cross-pollination, I think of it as, you know. Yeah. It's like a little bee of presence is humming through each of our little uh, pollen pollen flowers, kind of mixing it on up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> mixing it on up. <laughs> mix it on up thanks that's what we can call yeah thanks for joining me for the mixer yes what a blast <laughs> thanks Jeannie thank you everyone yeah. for tuning in and um yeah we'll decide what the um the name of this 
conversation was later. <laughs> <Hey>. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thank you, dear. Bye.